Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Friday, December 20th, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 77, We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with, we don't use and ends with expressing our regret. Today's readers are Tenzin P., Wendy M., Naomi B., Susan H., and Cindy M. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Thursday, December 19th, 2019's 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern Time meetings are 13,852 and 13,853, respectively. That's 13852 for the 7 a.m. meeting and 13853 for the 10 a.m. meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the OA 12 steps. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
time made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin P. I will now ask Wendy M. to read the OA-12 Traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. I am Wendy M. in Raleigh, North Carolina, and these are the OA-12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group consciousness. Our, le- our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Wendy M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 77. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with, we don't use, and ends with expressing our regret. I will now ask Naomi B. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Naomi. Okay, good. Thank you. Good morning, family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done for done him and th- done him and through we may have acquired a better attitude toward him. We are still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Well, if this isn't isn't powerful, I don't know what is, because this has my name written all over it. Um, I have a brother I could say is more like my mother's son. We've never had a relationship, and I did write my amends letter. And I was I did ask for his forgiveness. I never criticized I never criticized him as far as his actions toward me. And I admitted that I made some poor choices and unthinkable conduct in my life growing up. I was a little girl growing up. I didn't know any better. I need to make some changes and I you know, I have been doing that and you know, something toward the better. God willing I'm now free to admit the damages that I did growing up, and I do apologize. If given the chance, I would happily make things better. And questioning him, what could I do? How could I improve our relationship? Unfortunately, this is not a letter I was able to deliver. I'm not allowed to have his phone number. I'm not allowed to have... Um, his address, he only lives in Center City, Philadelphia, which really is not that far from me. But, you know, I pray for him, and every once in a while I lift up a little prayer of reconciliation. He's in his 70s. I'm in my early 70s. And, you know, um, if he would give me an inch, you know, I would run a mile. I would run a mile for this man. Unfortunately, his health has deteriorated. Through a blood situation, he had lost part of his one leg, toes on another leg, because he's in contact with um, my remaining oldest brother. And um, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. And um, thankfully, God has sent other spiritual brothers in my life, and you know how you are, that's filled in the gap. And I am blessed. I am I am beyond blessed with my life today. And for Michael Kessler, I pray for him, and I want all the, you know, I've done the resentment prayer on him. 
I want all the very best that life can offer. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 77 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Ginger C. Larry K. Larry K. Wait one second. Nancy P. Uh, Lynn, wait one second. Maria S. S. Uh, Nancy P. There was someone in between, though. Between Lynn and Nancy. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Do you remember? Mm. Melissa okay, P. So, oh, yeah, yeah, Melissa. Right. Melissa P. Barbara and then who e. was after Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Barbara, now. Who was after Nancy P.? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> there were people who spoke up who I just was too busy thinking about Melissa to pay attention to. Do you remember who you were after Nancy P.? Okay, Barbara E. Maria, right, right, Maria and Barbara. Okay, let's stop there. I've got Ginger C., Larry K., Lynn S., Nancy P., Melissa P., Barbara E., and Maria, and I didn't get your initial. Ginger C., please go ahead. Ginger, was that you? Hi, Martha. Good morning, and thank you for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And this question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. And it may be that he's done us more harm than we have done him. So again, these clear directions. We take the bit in our teeth. We keep into this practical program of action. Because without any power between me and the bite, I will be eating guaranteed. And thank God these pages, these words on these page help me to find this power. And then I just have to wash, rinse, and repeat. Here's a new day. Here's a new beginning. And I always have to wonder and I always have to be conscious of what am I uh doing, not what am I thinking. You know, you would think this is um, into thinking, not into action, because that's where our minds go. We are just crazy people. And, um, but what a gift that we get to do this. And what choice do we have? I don't want to return to that food. I don't want to hurt my family another second. I put them through hell. And it's just a miracle. You know, we get to cease fighting anything or anyone. And if I'm still fighting, I've got to look at myself. What's going on? Why are my boxing gloves still on? I want to have these open hands to receive. Because our job each day is to be of maximum usefulness. And I have no idea who God's going to put in front of me. But if I've got this fighting mentality, I'm not going to receive it. I'm not going to be available. And so, again, these clear directions... You know, and most importantly, you know, it was so awesome. Yesterday was so power-packed. We are not here to feel better. We are selfish, self-centered. You would think that would be the end goal. God, get me out of this. Change this channel. I can't stand another second. I don't want to be in the skin. It's uncomfortable. That's not the goal of what we're after. We are trying to do this work to tap into power, 
to do God's work, but to create no more harm. And when I do these amends, especially these more difficult amends, it matters. It sinks in somewhere. And then I have a really good chance to not repeat it. And if I keep repeating it and it keeps showing up, i got to dig a little deeper. What's going on here? There's enough pain out there. I don't need to add to it. And again, we are so fortunate with this 12-step work. If I keep my eye on my own paper, I have a really good chance to bring more love and harmony and peace to this world. And it needs it in a great way. So forgiving and helpful spirit, make sure you're doing this in the right way. Katie's message was so power-packed. It's not about relief. It's not a Band-Aid. It's about recovery. It's about showing up differently with God doing all of this for us because let's, let's give credit where it's due. I'm an addict. I self-destruct, and I do not do this. And because of the grace of God and that window that rolled down, I've been in recovery. I pray I just never leave recovery, and I just follow this clear-cut directions, this practical program, one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Ginger C. Larry K. Good morning. Thank, thanks so much for your service. Larry K. Recovered. Um, you know, um, this, this paragraph is very meaningful to me because it speaks to, again, it brings us back to the resentments and, and just the very reason why they are corrosive they are the number one offender. It, it corrodes me from the insides because you see when I carry a resentment, if I have an enemy, however subtle I may try to convince myself that that person is not my enemy, if I think about them and they are owning some space in my head and I feel justified within that resentment, even hearing their voice creates that tingle of resentment within me. There's something that is blocking me off from a deeper flow of God's spirit into me, this higher power, whatever the higher power is to you. I have to take the bit into my teeth because the thing is, is when I see your, call it whatever you want, when I see your sin, your, your wrongs, when, I, when, I, uh, when you've stepped on my toes in a way that I feel is not justified, the problem is, is I cannot see the big plank in my eye. It's biblical, right? But it really doesn't need to be. I can't see the old, my own, you know, I can just justify carrying that resentment, and it continues to corrode me from the inside. And I continue, and at the very least, I can't, I can't remain in a state where I can be of maximum service to God. That's really our main purpose here is to be of maximum service to God. So I know for me in making the amends, it was, yes, it was beneficial for me to go to these proverbial enemies, because when I did, what I didn't understand is that over time, my higher power would release me from that bondage. There would be freedom that I could not anticipate. I did not anticipate, because what I thought was whenever I, it came into my mind about these people that had harmed me, that had done me wrong, I got angrier. And I could not conceive or anticipate that God would remove that. It would dissipate over time if I was honest and open towards following these precise instructions. I'll wrap up by saying I've been reading about Hank Parkhurst. Oh, this guy early on, he had some resentments. He drank again. He carried that anger with him. I could relate to a personality like that. Very capable man. 
with that, I pass. Thanks so much for your service. Thank you, Larry Kay. Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I don't know that I can articulate what's in my heart over this, but this is really an amazing, amazing paragraph that's speaking to me today. In listening to Vision over the last little while, I realized that I had one amends that I hadn't done. And this was to a woman that I hated with every single fiber of my being for the last 11 years. And I knew I had to make amends. I knew I did. But the thought of making amends to this woman made me almost physically sick. But listening to Vision and knowing that that was out there, plus listening to Vision had started to change me. And that visceral hate that I felt for this woman, it wasn't that it was abating, but what was happening was I knew I didn't want to live like that anymore. And that was the change that happened in me. So I was aware that this was still out there. I pulled out my old fourth and fifth. I looked at the resentments that I had written down and I looked at my character defects and I did the work and it started to change. I, it is such a miracle, I can't believe it. The feelings and the absolute rage and hate, all self-justified, of course, that I felt for this woman started to change and in rapid succession. And I started to, I was able to say to God that this was his daughter. I was able to see that not only was she an alcoholic, but that she had to leave her husband and live with this little old man who was my father and take care of him when his daughter hated her with every fiber of her being and wouldn't even step inside the house if she were there. I saw it from a whole different way. And I actually started to feel compassion and kindness. And the very next day, I felt a love for this woman. I can't explain how program works. I can't tell you this amazing change that's in my heart. And I've been praying to God for his miracle to put us together so that I can make amends to this woman from my heart. I'm so glad I never tried before if it was in my head or I knew I should because program says so I better do it. This feeling that I have for her now in my heart and the hope that I have that God will put us together is one of the more moving experiences I've had in program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Nancy P. Hi, this is Nancy P. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, we take the bit in our teeth. Um, that is, I think of, I have a friend who has horses, and they love to play in their paddock, but when it's time to um, saddle up and be ridden, they don't like it as much, and they have to have the bit put in their teeth. And that's what I felt like when it was time for me to make amends. Um, and I I thought carefully about that. And 
like others have said this week, amends aren't just apologies. You know, the Constitution of the United States doesn't have apologies. It has amendments. And so changes are what I wanted to do because I had said that I was sorry a million billion times, especially to my family. And um, so I wrote down what I had, you know, a description of what I, where I felt I had been wrong and an acknowledgement of how that must have made people feel. And, um, and I was careful not to write, I'm sorry, or I apologize. I acknowledged what I felt was the result of my, um, of my actions and a heartfelt promise that I was going to change. And after that, you know, I feel as though, um, you know, I've worked really hard because I spend so much time on maintaining my recovery through, you know, having an attitude of it's not one and done. It's every single day, all day that I do this stuff. And, you know, plenty of phone calls with reminders from my friends, you know, loving all the time, even when I hate it. Um, I feel as though I'm well started on that route. And I have to say that, um, you know, it's like a chemical change. I can't go back to how I was. Um, I might not be perfect. In fact, I definitely am not perfect. But I am definitely changed. And, you know, um, people don't comment on the change. But I do notice that they seem happier to be around me. And one of one of my friends actually did say that it's easier for her to spend longer periods with me than it used to be. And, um, and I like that. I like that, and and with people that I dislike, um, you know, compared to the initial surrender, I got to say it was not it was chump change compared to how I felt before, you know, the howling fear that I felt about letting go. I didn't feel that when I had to approach people, one person in particular that I'm thinking of, and um, thank you. I'll just wrap up and say that you know it. Compared to the surrender, the rest of it wasn't that difficult. It just was a blow to my pride, and that is easily sustained. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Melissa P. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Um, Thank you to everyone that's here today. I have not been able to get on a meeting all week, and I tuned in this morning, and (laughs) You know, sometimes I chuckle at what happens to pop up because this is this is it for me, especially coming into the holiday season here. Um, you know, my biggest enemy is my mother. And, you know, before coming into program, there was so much dishonesty and self-seeking. Um, you know, she gave me up for adoption when I was a baby and then, by the grace of God, took me back six months later and... I didn't have a childhood that I would have picked out for myself, but because of this program, I was able to see how God was writing my story, Um, and it's a better story than I could have ever wrote. And 
being able to look at my resentment towards her and make that amends. And it's, a, I need to work on my relationship with her every single day. And before meeting with her, I prayed for weeks. How do you see her, God? How do you see her? I want to see her through your eyes, not my eyes. You know, my eyes, they judge. My eyes had hatred towards her for everything that, you know, I had went through as a child and a teen and being given away. And as I was praying and writing and talking to my sponsor, it it came to me, I wasn't angry anymore that she had given me away as a baby. I was grateful that God spared me for those first six months of my life. Um, And in my field, as a social worker, I realize how important those first six months are to brain development. And, uh, you know, he saved me for those six months. And it changed the way that I look at her. It changed the way that I look at our relationship. And everyone talks about these amazing special editions where we talk about the resentments we have against people where we had no role. And for a long time, I wasn't getting better because, you know, I was abused as a child. What's my role in that? At 35 years of age, I was still giving it power. I was still letting that resentment drive the bus of anger at her every day. And it was keeping me sick. It was keeping me in the food. I was giving it power. That was my role. My role as a teenager who fought back finally. There was my role, you know, and so those conversations is is something that I have to have every day. My mom's in her 70s, and she's not well, and I don't want to bury her someday with those remaining feelings, but not in my heart. For her, I want her to know that she's forgiven, and I want to forgive her, and I forgive her every day, and I just have to keep looking at her the way God would, and thank you so much for that, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa P. Barbara E. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for hearing my name. I'm sorry I jumped in a little early. Well, how will a making amends help my recovery? Taking these actions helped me to separate myself from the disease of addiction. I came to understand that we are all good people with a bad disease. So step eight and nine helped me at least to move out of the shame I've lived in, shame that fed the cycle of substance abuse and poor behavior. I strengthened and reinforced my healthy recovery whenever I did my part to repair the relationships or reach out to others with support and understanding. But I must say that there are some people who did not want to hear from me. No matter how much I felt the need to make things right, forcing another to meet with me or hear from me is not part of the steps. When those I've hurt were not able or willing to accept my amends, I had to still move in a positive general direction by taking intentional steps to be of service to others. And it's important to to have a plan in place before I reach out. I can't know for certain how another person will respond 
or even how the interaction might affect us emotionally. Certainly, I can't expect us to go back to our prior relationship. We might not have any relationship. So I had to be sure to talk with my sponsor and support group about my plan in the event that I'd need support. This is a 12-step process that can provide a platform for healing, but the person you're reaching out to may not be at the same place in healing as I am. We can only control our part, making and living the amends. We can't control how others respond, whether they will forgive or whether they will hold on to negative feelings, but at least I will feel better. The shame, the rocks that have been on my shoulder will be lifted and thrown away. And then I must immediately, immediately go on to step 10, 11, and 12. Don't wait to finish, folks. 10, 11, and 12 can be started immediately. And when first writing my list, don't worry, if you're like me, about including everyone I've wronged. Start by listing the people closest to me. At least that's what I did. And then over time, as I strengthened and deepened my recovery, I will undoubtedly revisit eight and nine many times. And that's what step 10 is for. If we've made a mistake, we can go back and clean it immediately. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Maria, and your first initial. While we're waiting for Maria to come on the line, I'll let Good you know. Good morning, Rebecca. It's Maria X. Hi, Maria. Just one sec. I, d- I just thought while we were waiting for you, I would tell anybody who got on late that we're on page 77, the first paragraph we don't use. Go right ahead, Maria. Yes. Thank you, Rebecca. Sorry, I had a mute there. Good morning, everybody, and thanks for the service, Rebecca, and, and thank you to Team Friday for this wonderful, amazing meeting. Um, yeah, and I love this. I love the clear-cut direction that it gives me here for step nine. Um, and it says, you know, we don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God. When it will serve any good purpose, we are willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. And what this says to me is that I don't put conditions on this step. I don't have Maria's conditions on, on how it should be done. It's given clearly. You know, I take the bit in my teeth. And it's not about whether the person has caused me more harm than I've caused them. You know, it's not about that. It's about clearing up the wreckage of my past. Um, and, and it's about the amend, which is to change. And it's about, yeah, changing my behavior. Um, and not changing it to make me feel better. It's changing it to, um, for the other person. You know, what can I do to make this right? What can I do for you to help you for the harm that I've caused? Because in it, I've caused harm. I caused harm with my eating. So, um, yeah, and it's about personal responsibility for me as well. It's about growing up and taking responsibility. Um, yeah, and just knowing that God will give me the words, that I'll be given the words by God. Um, 
and you know how do we go to our enemies and I actually chose one of my enemies as my first as my first amend when it yeah and uh, it was powerful you know absolutely powerful how it was received um and how that how that relationship transformed and how it changed and that's been my experience that uh, the power of this step and it, it you know it's not to go to it with expectations um, but my experience has been that it has brought, brought huge transformation in relationships, um, miraculous things that I could never have imagined. Um, and my relationship with my husband, how that has changed so much through this step. And, and it's not about a once-off step. It's about, you know, doing this step every day, you know, in, in my four to ten, you know, um, that I'm working this step every single day and that I, I make those amends promptly, that I do them quickly. Um, because it keeps me, it keeps me unblocked. It keeps that channel to my higher power open. Um, yeah, so thanks. Thanks, everybody. And thanks for listening to me. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Maria F. Okay. Who else would like to share on the first paragraph on 77? Christina J. Margaret D. Margaret okay, D. I heard, okay, wait one sec. I heard Christina I something and Margaret D. And who was that? Irene B. Polly Q. Irene B. and Polly Q. Christina L. Christina L. And maybe one more. If somebody wants to take a chance, there might be time. Okay. Um, So I didn't get some. Was it Betty? Barbara A. Yeah, Betty S. Betty F and no, Barbara Debbie. A. Debbie, Debbie. 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 Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And I'm not sure if there's going to be time for Barbara, but we'll see how it goes. So there are two Christinas and you know who you are. So I've got Christina, Margaret, Irene, Polly, Christina, Debbie, and Barbara. Chris, the first Christina, please go ahead. Thank you, Christina J. from the state of Washington. You know, this is the beginning of a wonderful process that changed me in ways I could never imagine when I started it. I did my first few amends, um, went out, took the bit in my mouth and my teeth, and didn't concentrate on what they'd done wrong to me. I looked at my own stuff. But I had um, a resentment that I hadn't dealt with, um, and I, as I got through this program, I was sitting in, in a sauna one day, and it came to me what I had done wrong in this situation. This woman had turned on me in an email overnight and accused me of all kinds of things that were not true. At least in my mind, they weren't true. <clears throat> and it came to me, God finally brought it to me, what my part was. And all of my life, I have been jumping up and down on tables trying to get the world to love me trying to get everybody to accept me and see me and blah, blah, blah. It was all about me, you know. I began to really see my selfishness in this situation. And what this did was show me the way I had been going through my life for about 50 years at that point, expecting every relationship to be manipulated by my niceties and let me do for you and let me go overboard to show you that I'm okay. And this poor woman sensed on a deep level that I was manipulative and I was manipulating that relationship. And I realized, and I, oh, I was horrified 
so I set about making this amends. And she wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't take my calls. I mean, it was over. She had put the nail in the coffin. So I had to write a letter. And I sent it, um, uh, you know, one of those services where you uh, send it so they have to sign for it. So I know she got it, but still nothing. I began to have dreams about this woman embracing me, and I was telling her I was sorry. I mean, it went crazy. And what I realized is um, that God was showing me that I don't have to jump on tables to get people to like me. Some people are not going to like me, first of all. And it also showed me that I need to be kind and loving to people and not out of a manipulative state to get them to like me. There's going to be people that don't like me, period, end. But it's, this step shows you so much, and I have a new way of going through life because of it. I don't have to make people like me anymore. I can be who I am. It took me so long to find out who I was, and this step shows me all the pieces that don't work. And it's amazing because it uncovers it just in going to people and being humble, not to get them to like you or to accept you anymore but to clean your side of the street and show you, or excuse me, let me talk for myself, show me how I've been in life, going through life. It uncovers so much that you, I had no idea what was going to be revealed. Uh, it's a beautiful step, and this program is deeply, excruciatingly healing. So um, thank you for letting me share. I'm so honored to be a part of this, and that God brought me to this program. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. Margaret D., Good morning. This is Margaret D. in Georgia. May I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Margaret D. Um, good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for all your service. Um, <clears throat> and I'm very grateful to be a recovered compulsive um, eater through, definitely recovered through God's mercy and grace. Um, what this brings up for me is um, when... Bill talks about, um, he says it may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may Oops, Margaret G. We lost you. Oh, dear. Margaret. Irene B., why don't you go? Oh, wait a minute. Okay. What do we have now? This is Irene is it Irene? Yeah. Good morning, Irene. Go ahead, and then we'll try Margaret again. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your service. I am Irene B., a very gratefully recovered bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and recovered by the grace of God, his infinite love and mercy. And I can I can say that I am recovered because I just read an email that that a friend, a fellow, saying her, that she had found the definition of recovery, and she said that, um, how did it go? That when we're not recovered, our focus is on food, and when we are recovered, our our focus is on recovery, and my focus is most definitely on recovery, so I will call myself recovered and have no qualms about it because I am 
nearly 33 months abstinent. So, and that's all by the grace of God. And I, I, I digress. With regard to making amends, my only meaningful experience that I can share on this is that um, it says in here when, when, when somebody you hate, I don't hate the person I made amends to, on the contrary, uh, but um, but I felt like I had been hurt infinitely more than my part of the street, but I still needed to make amends to move forward. And what I decided to do was to make amends for enabling, to, to make amends in the form of allowing him to enabling him to disrespect and abuse me. And that was the nature of my amends, that I was dishonest. I did not reveal my bulimia. I kept it a secret. And that I kept everything a secret, my pain, everything. Well, yeah. So my amends was enabling an abusive person to continue with the abuse. Not physical abuse, just emotional. That's all. But, um, and then I was, I've been thinking, it's like, oh my gosh, have I done it right? Have I done it right? Have I done it right? And then I realized that because I feel that I need to do that which that person wants me to do in order for things to be okay. I have to follow his script. I have to bend to his desires disregarding mine. And I'm just not willing to do that anymore. I'm just not. So, um, but I still have to recognize, and I get the part that was bothering me. I will just say that I need to recognize what my part is, and I thought I had recognized it, but I have new insight from thinking about it. And realizing my part helps me let go of the resentment, and with that, I pass. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Irene D. Margaret D., are you back on the line? I am. Sorry about that. We we jumped ahead when we couldn't hear you. So go right ahead. Start over, please. Um, thank you. Um, anyways, this is Margaret D. And I'm very grateful to be a recovered compulsive eater. And I'm in Georgia. And so what this brings up for me is, um, um, and actually I'm going to change a little bit of what I had to say because I had a realization while I was talking to myself. Um, so the, um, initially what the harm done, there was a harm done to me. There was, there's just, it happened and, and that was it. Confessing my faults to the other person, um, confessing my former ill feeling and expressing my regret what I'm finding out that former ill feeling is that I um, I am obsessive in my thinking about 
oh my God, I'm a victim. Oh my God, he's persecuting me. Oh my God, it's not my fault. And my thoughts just get so wrapped up in selfishness that, you know, that it's all about me and what they've done to me that, and I know we've heard this before, what they've done gets bigger and what I've gotten done and what I've done gets smaller until finally I'm completely innocent and they're just a till of the hun and, you know, off with their heads kind of thinking. And what I'm finding out that, um, my biggest um, character defect is that I get obsessive in my thinking. And I just go over this over and over, not for days or weeks, but literally years. You know, something uh, that happened when I was a child, 60 years later, I'm still obsessing about it. And and to go to somebody and say, you know, I've pulled character assassinations on you and I've done all these things and I'm so sorry. Um, you didn't deserve that. You know, to ask somebody for their forgiveness for what I've done is truly humbling. And, um, you know, and to express my regret and where the forgiveness comes in is I realize that I have a disease and this is the consequence of that disease when it's not treated. And perhaps they, just like me, have their own particular brand of emotional or spiritual disease and perhaps it's not been treated either. And so there's really nothing to forgive. How can you forgive something, or not something, but how can you forgive somebody for having a disease? And I'm restored to sanity with that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret D. Polly, is it Polly Q? Yes. Uh, may I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Polly. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service, moderator. Uh, I'm Polly Q. I'm in California, recovered. And what this paragraph um, says to me uh, is that uh, I, what I what I found when I did my eighth step is that I created these what I will call Mary Lou monsters <laughs> because that was the relationship at work. Uh, that was the name of the person, and um, and I you know I didn't gossip about this person. There was no one to gossip to, uh, and I didn't have any sort of um, inappropriate exchange with this person, but I'll tell you, this person ate me up inside. And um, I didn't see her very often, but it didn't matter. She just ate me up inside. And what I realized was in my, in my A-step was that the person that got damaged from that was me. I because I just was terrified. I I was either terrified of her. I wanted to avoid her at all costs, and I could, for the most part, do that. But I almost left that job, a job that ended up being really crucial for me because I would create this person. And so I did my 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 amends on it, and I would try to forgive her inside, and I would try to get over this amends. But what I found out when I went to the next job is that I would do it again. 
So in my eighth step, what I found out was that I I could resent, you know, I would find someone to, my ego would find someone to dump resentment on and and to make the enemy and the cause of my problems because that was the nature of my disease. And it made it made my situation at work miserable. And so I had to find a way in my amends at, when I was making my amends to identify that, be aware of it, and, and, and cut that off at the pass. Realize that it wasn't that person that I was resenting. It was, it was my relationship in the job. It was my own insecurities about doing my job. It was, it was, I was getting attacked from the inside. My ego would just build up this scenario in my head and I would latch onto it. And that's what I found about resentments really. Resentments really don't have too much to do with the other person. It's really about sort of getting attacked from the inside by this unbelievable ego that I have. And it just, it just uses anything and everything it can to beat me down. So today, I try to identify that. I do the step, this step immediately. I try to get out of the prosecutor's nice. table and go over to the defense table and see it from the other person's point of view. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Polly Q. Uh, Christina, it looks like we have two, two and a half minutes. And Debbie and Barbara, I'm afraid we've run out of time. So, Christina, go right ahead. Okay. Good morning. This is Christina. Thank you for your service. Um, Christina L. from Florida. And um, man, this, this meeting is just, like, really, really powerful today, especially that last year and then another one um, about coworkers because that is, like, right where I am at with this coworker. Um, and... Uh, Everything that they said, just ditto, ditto, ditto. Um, you know, just realizing my my ego is is getting in the way and everything. And um, with this person at work, and one of the lines that really made me reflect on this morning was, um, nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. And um, you know, it's easy for me to say that I really don't dislike. The, my coworker, um, because really I don't. I mean, she's a very nice person. We started off very well. We have a lot in common and everything. But the thing that I'm seeing is that we have a lot more in common than I ever realized. <laughs> um, so much so that I am. Uh, what I am seeing is her. Her defects are mine, glaring back at me um, at a hundred and fifty to two hundred or a thousand percent. Um, and that's what I don't like. I don't like. I don't like seeing myself um, reflected back at me. And uh, like going back with that phrase, uh, the, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. I had to look it up because um, I thought it just meant you know just grin and bear it. You know, just get through it. And you know, I was thinking of it just being like you know whether I like it or not. But you know, it means to start doing something in a very enthusiastic and determined way. Um, and to me, that means, you know, to do it happily, joyfully, um, willingly, you know. And the first couple of times when, um, you know, I was told to be of service to her, um, you know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to 
I just didn't I just didn't want to answer her questions. I didn't want to answer her questions. I didn't want to be helpful to her. I wanted to pawn her off on somebody else in the office for them to help. You know, I was only concerned about my work that I needed to get done. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can't stand the way I feel. I, I just can't stand the way I feel whenever she's in the office. It's like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I, I, I get this feeling of fear that comes up because it's like, here we go. It's like I'm just bracing myself for what I'm going to have to go through again that day. Mm. And um, and I'll just say my signature line. I don't want to be that way anymore. <laughs> Thanks for letting me share. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Christina L. Sorry we ran out of time for the others. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Friday, Dece December 20th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 13,855. That's 13855. Join us for a second. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you. This is Susan H. Um, yeah, grateful. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. <clears throat> Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.